Hello, my name is Stephanie Nunez and welcome to the State Hornet Spotlight. For this week's episode, myself and Maria Ceja interviewed Andres Guerra, a legal advocate for Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights, an organization that has a working partnership with Sac State's Dreamer Resource Center. DACA was fully reinstated last week but now faces several legal challenges and Guerra, who was a source in our recent story on the state of DACA, is here to explain the situation for Dreamers in both Spanish and in English. So the first question is, when we um, spoke about the, this recent order, you also spoke about how young undocumented immigrants might have a small window to take advantage of the DACA's reinstatement. What exactly should they be taking action about right now? So right now, I think people that are interested in applying really need to focus on getting together evidence of physical presence in the United States from 2007 up until the present. Um, I would say in 95% plus of the consultations that I do with students, they all already have some form of ID. They all already have very quick access to like a high school diploma or a GED certificate, um, which are types of evidence that you need for a DACA to prove that, you know, you have to prove your identity, you have to prove um, that you've completed high school or that you're currently in high school or that you've completed a GED program. But when I when I talk to students in these consults, the thing, the, ev the, the evidence type that is the biggest obstacle is showing that you've been in the U.S. from 2007 up until the present. And so, a lot of this requires, you know, homework, a lot of detective work, um, contacting every school you've ever been to for transcripts and, and other records of your attendance, uh, contacting, you know, your, your medical provider and getting your full, you know, medical history or vaccine history to show the times that you've been in the U.S. visiting a doctor or getting um, vaccine rec uh, vaccines. Um, other types of evidence as well, you know, anything that ties your name to a residence, uh, whether that's being, you know, in, maybe included on a parent's lease for an apartment, um, being listed as uh, an inhabitant on, you know, uh, a, a rent record. Um, and then even social media, if you, for example, took a selfie at an event um, that, then you know, the photograph is timestamped you can show uh, when and where that event was and prove that you were physically in the U.S. Uh, to, to have attended that event. Um, it does require a little bit of creativity, I'd say, and that's kind of where I think the most time uh, goes into the preparation of these cases. Um, for a lot of students, it's it, it takes a fair amount of work and, and sometimes coordinating with their parents who might have a better idea of where some of these things were um, it, it takes a bit of coordination to get that. And so I would say right now that that needs to be the main focus for individuals. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that this brief window is all that they're going to have. Um, there, there is a, the case on, on, uh, December 22nd, uh, that they might strike DACA down, but guess what? Next month, um, the Biden administration is going to take over. And, and because these, 
these programs are largely done through executive order, there is always the possibility that a new program or a similar program or the exact same program um, could be tried to to could try to be reestablished by a Biden administration. And so if that's the case, you know, for individuals who aren't able to file by December 22nd, I think there's still the possibility of collecting your evidence, having all of that ready so that if there is a new similar or same program that gets enacted, uh, individuals will be really ready to to hit the ground running. What would essentially happen if the state of Texas versus Nielsen case does end up determining that the DACA program is illegal? I'd imagine that that would cause a lot of panic from um, undocumented folks. So what would be your response, um, the result from that pending case? There isn't a, a reason to panic. Uh, it, it won't be a great day. It won't be great news. Um, but if there's one thing I've learned from the DACA fight, it's that it's always ongoing. There have been so many up and downs with the DACA fight since 2017. And I think that this latest one <clears throat> could be successful in, in trying to shut the program down, but there's always a couple possibilities that exist. So first, one possibility is that um, there's an appeal in the case. And if there is an appeal in the case, it would likely end up before the Supreme Court um, and that would also not be great simply because of the, the makeup of the court now. You know, DACA was upheld 5-4 over the summer because the Chief Justice Roberts ended up siding with the more liberal wing of the of the court, but the liberal wing lost a member this past fall. And and in, in her replacement, we um, got a, a justice appointed who's likely not to be sympathetic to to um to DACA, which means you would essentially at that point need two justices to side with uh, the liberal wing. Now that being said, there could still be an appeal of the case, and anytime there's an appeal, there can be what uh, an opportunity for what's called a preliminary injunction, meaning that if the if the advocates for DACA lose in the Texas hearing in in on December twenty second. They could appeal to the Supreme Court and ask the Supreme Court in the meantime, uh, while they schedule the oral argument and then they schedule the final decision, a process that's going to take several months, they could ask for an injunction to leave DACA in place while the Supreme Court makes their decision. And so that could open up several more months of a window for individuals who are applying for the first time. And then as I, as I did touch up on um, earlier, there is always the possibility that a President Biden uh, could either bring DACA back or initiate some sort of new or different program. Part of the reason why uh, DACA, I think, is in danger uh, in the Texas court case is because, generally speaking, there needs to be a process when an executive order um, and something that changes rules substantively with immigration is passed, there has to be a 60-day notice and comment period that takes place before that program is established. And unfortunately, it's something that President Obama did not do. Um, and I, I do think that there is a real, real possibility of DACA being struck down. 
But if anything, that would be good for Biden because it would kind of instruct him on how to go about doing a program that will survive scrutiny from uh, Texas or any other state that wants to oppose DACA at some point in the future. Now, that's one of the arguments. There's there's a couple other arguments that are kind of at play um, with the hearing. But the, the point that I'm making is that um, President Biden would always be able to initiate another type of deferred action program, and he could do so with the benefit of hindsight from the Texas case. So I do think that regardless of what happens with uh, this case in Texas um, in a few days, there exists the possibility that President Biden at some point in 2021 will be able to introduce a better uh deferred action program that will survive scrutiny and give people the same uh, relief and the same options that uh, they seek now under DACA. And in our our previous interview, you also mentioned how your organization has been hearing reports of people taking advantage of vulnerable communities and of charging them for DACA application services um, as um, far as $7,000 when you said the market price is commonly known to be $500 to $1,000, even more. What tips do you have for people to stay informed? Yeah, that's a great question. I think first and foremost, you always want to do a little bit of research about uh, an organization or an attorney that you, that you are thinking of entering into an agreement or a contract with. Um, it's always beneficial when you go to a website to see not just what are the you know um, customer or the the client uh, testimonials and things like that because they'll always highlight the the positive ones. Um, I wouldn't base uh, you know something. I wouldn't base my deal with an attorney um, or a law firm based on Google reviews or even Yelp reviews uh, because those can always be manipulated and and private practice attorneys always have tools for weeding out the the bad uh, reviews or convincing uh, clients who are unhappy to take their reviews down. Really, I think what you want to do is understand an organization by looking to its sort of mission statement, seeing what its values are, and seeing what kind of work they do besides uh, legal services, right? A lot of nonprofits are you know, they, in addition to the legal services aspect of the services they provide to individuals, that's usually just one aspect of the work. Um, there's always a lot more that nonprofits usually do in terms of uh, civic engagement, uh, education of the community. And so I think you really want to go to the, the websites of these individual places and kind of figure out what it is that um, that they stand for. Now, Google might be, or, or you know, online searches might be a good place, might, might be a good starting place just to see what exists in the community. Um, figuring out, you know, a simple search will tell you, you know, who's in the area, what sort of nonprofits. And then from there, I think it's incumbent on individuals to, to kind of do their research. Now, we obviously live in, um, stressful times, and this is such a small window, potentially, that individuals will have to actually apply for this uh, DACA in the next few days. 
And so I think also relying on the sort of institutions that already have trust. So for example, a lot of individuals at Sacramento State can rely, I think, on the DRC. And the DRC will have recommendations uh, and they will have, um, you know, a list of resources that they can provide individuals. You know, sometimes those might be coming from partnerships on campus like the one my organization has, but a lot of them too have just been accumulated from over the years. I know Sacramento State in particular has had a pro bono attorney program um, where individuals have gone on campus, private practice individuals who are, are not charging for the work um, to, to meet with students and provide them services. So I know the DRC has a, a list of individuals um, that they can recommend specifically uh, to Sacramento State. And then, you know, for individuals listening to this that don't attend that particular CSU, um, you know, every, every CSU campus in California has to have a DRC. So I would really reach out to those kinds of um, organizations, those institutions that people already have trust with. And then from there, you know, find out who the major players are around you and then do a little bit of homework in terms of figuring out what those organizations or firms represent and what they stand for. Mm -hmm. And then this is our final question on this. Um, Eric from the DRC said he's often in conversation with you, like you said, and I actually wanted to ask you because you do work with our campus specifically, um, and the DRC on our campus offers free immigration clinics and legal services. What kind of specific aid and advice does student have access to with you working there? Well, um, everything runs uh, through the initial consultation. So the first service that we provide for everybody is uh, an up to one hour uh, free consultation with uh, myself, an immigration attorney, um, to, to talk about specific questions or information that individuals come in with. Now, aside from that, I do a full le legal screening to determine if the person that I'm speaking with, or sometimes it's someone in their family, like if they come with their spouse or their parent um, into the consultation, um, I do a full screening to figure out what options they have in terms of humanitarian visas, which are largely for people that have been victims um, of an array of crimes in the U.S., and family visas. So visas, you know, green cards for individuals who have a family member who qualifies them for the process. After that initial consultation, if there is a an availability or an eligibility for a type of case that we do, we can then actually enter into a contract and do the work free of charge. Now I say free of charge because we don't actually charge any money for the work that we do. Um, although in most cases, we do expect individuals to still be able to cover the immigration fee. So the, the actual application fee for the type of case that they want to apply for is something that um, the individual ha does have to pay. Um, I say that in most times because we, um, we from time to time, we actually have funding to provide even that application fee for DACA cases. And right now, 
Uh, for instance, we have a partnership with the Mexican consulate in Sacramento, um, sorry, the Mexican consulate in Los Angeles to provide uh, reimbursement of those immigration fees on a case-by-case -case basis. So individuals who go through the DACA process with us will have the ability to apply uh, once once they've applied and once they've sent in, they've paid for their own application to apply for a reimbursement of that fee. Um, and so those are the services that we provide. We also will provide referrals to individuals. Uh, sometimes in these consultations, it's not uncommon to get questions about family law um, or criminal law or other types of law that might have an impact on an immigration case, but aren't necessarily uh, a type of law that we uh, are experts in. And so we are also able to provide referrals to individuals um, who need services in, in other non-immigration areas. Great. Well, thank you so much, Andres. That concludes our interviews, I believe. And I really appreciate the time you spent with us. Absolutely. I'm always happy to, to get engaged with the Sac State community and to let individuals know that there is help out there. There are options for people. Um, it's just a matter of finding uh, the right fit. And so our, our hope is that more individuals will be able to seek our services on campus and, and get some help and, and the relief that they need. Yeah, thank you so much again. I appreciate it.